Welcome everyone to episode two of Being Deskless with Ant Hill, where we share bite-sized advice for companies with deskless employees. I'm your host, Jennifer Harris-Kroll. What's a deskless employee, you ask? Well, they're employees who don't work in an office, don't use a computer, or typically don't have a company email. Think employees in warehousing, supply chain, manufacturing, and retail. And, fun fact, they make up over 80% of the global workforce. Today, I am thrilled to have Bridget Morehouse on the show. Bridget is the founder and CEO of Lead Human, a coaching and leadership consulting company. She also happens to be the former chief learning officer from Ford. But before I give too much away, let's bring her on and let her tell you herself. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited you're here. Before we get started, could you please share a little bit about your background working with the deskless workforce? Sure. Yeah. So let's see. It starts way back when I was first able to work. I think before I started my career, I had, I would say about eight years of almost full-time experience working in a variety of different deskless jobs, full-time, bringing, you know, bringing, making my own way in the world, uh, earning my own living while going to college and through high school and through my master's degree program, doing things from working in fast food restaurants and other service industry jobs to being a census canvasser to working in um, manufacturing facilities and aluminum mini mill. So a lot of different kind of formative experiences with myself being a deskless worker before I kind of got my master's degree and entered the formal corporate world where um, where I joined working with Ford, uh, worked in a lot of labor relations types of roles, working in manufacturing facilities and warehouses, um, supporting the deskless workers that we had in the company from a plant level, uh, direct interface with the workers to national and corporate levels. Um, and then I also had a period of time where I worked at Amazon.com. And uh, early on when they were a U.S. only company, so that gives you an idea of how long ago that was. Um, but I supported all of their deskless workers, all the warehouses across the U.S. and, um, and worked with all of the, the hourly uh, paid employees, all the deskless workers, all the warehouse employees, the customer service employees as well, and supported them in their jobs. So I've got a lot of experiences from little companies to big companies, personal experiences, um, direct leadership, and you know, plant level leadership and corporate level leadership as well. One of the reasons I'm so excited to be able to pick your brain a little bit today is because you have that vast knowledge and both with non-union and union environments, which we may or may not get to today, but you've kind of done it all. And I think that's amazing. So I hope people are excited to get, get to know what's inside your head a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So first question, COVID aside, how do you think work has changed for the deskless employees in the last couple of years? You know, it's so, there's so much change that's happened over the last few years. And it's hard to put COVID aside because I think COVID prompted a lot of the changes. But the way I think of it is <clears throat> there's a grant, the great resignation that people talk about. Um, people quitting jobs, people changing jobs, people reprioritizing what it means to them to be in these jobs. I like to think of it as the great rethink because it goes beyond some of the demographic changes that we've seen driven by COVID. But 
you're seeing so many trends that are affecting all workers, but particularly these deskless workers. Things from social media impacting how people share information about the types of work people can do. Um, there's so much more of a growing emphasis on gig work or things that people can do, um, side hustles, um, things that people can do in their in their um, normal life, things that really draw their attention and get them excited um, in a way that didn't exist previous, um, you know, to this growth of social media. So people are talking about here are some of the things that you can do that might start as a side gig that might turn into a career. You also see a whole new um, new kinds of thinking driven by COVID and driven by the pandemic and how companies are changing a lot to hybrid and virtual work that everyone is rethinking how work gets done. And that affects a lot of different fields that have deskless workers from teachers to nursing um, to, you know, healthcare and um, some of these types of work are switching to more telemedicine and virtual schooling and things like that. But what that signifies to me is that people are willing to get creative and think about how work is done. And so it's really putting some of the ability for these deskless workers to kind of own how their work is getting done and own the way that their labor kind of results in, um, in an impact. Um, the things that other things kind of related to COVID that we're seeing, you know, the government subsidies gave people a lot of freedom to determine, you know, if I want to keep working in this job. And so we saw a lot of people saying, I'm not fulfilled, I'm not enjoying the work I'm doing, and I'm going to drop out for a period of time, prompted by that. But we're seeing a lot of these other things initiating um, people's choices about what they do with their life. We're seeing a lot more people prioritize their own health and well-being and flexibility and family, um, just family choices that they have to make. Um, another change that we're seeing is a lot of companies are changing how they're hiring people with previous uh, requirements to do degree-based hiring. Now companies are looking at skills and that has a lot of impact where people maybe who weren't able to kind of afford a formal four-year bachelor's degree um, might have a certain skill set and might be able to have opportunities in career paths that they didn't have before. Um, so those, there's a lot of changes there, but I think the big one, and it is related to COVID, is <laughs> that's okay. The, the biggest one that overarches all of this is how many of these deskless workers were viewed as essential workers through the pandemic, mm -hmm. through all the COVID, you know, everything that we've gone through over the last two years, not just in the United States, but globally, and how we recognize that these people that are not tied to a desk, these are the ones where that drive the economy. These are the ones that get the things done that people rely on on a day-to-day -day basis. These are our essential workers. And I think it's changing the way companies and the employees are thinking about the power that that group has and the contribution that they can make to society. That's a really good answer. I, I also think that the, the insights through technology that people have 
into how those companies really operate, whether we're talking about Glassdoor or whatever, or just, you know, sharing things on social media um, also kind of might help drive people to go from one employer to another as well. Absolutely. There's a lot more ownership that they have in where they want to work. You know, they have a lot more agency to make their choices, to find something that aligns with what they want to do, what they want to be doing on a day-to-day basis, how they want to be treated. Um, Yeah. All of those, all of those things, transparency is, is powerful for this population, for everybody, but particularly for this population that I don't think we always think about. Yeah, and you, you made me think of something. There was some research that came out from Sharm last week that talked about how leaders and, man- and hiring managers are cool with a non-typical degree type um, requirements. And it's really the hang up is actually HR. And I think that's actually not tied to the humans in HR, but more so the technologies that they use that have, you know, these requirements that you put in. But it really, I feel like that mindset is already starting to change and that, um research actually showed it was true. Yeah, I think we're on the early edge, right? Where companies are recognizing this is a good thing to do, but maybe the systems aren't there to support it yet. So we're starting to nudge, we're starting to see companies making inroads in that space, but absolutely, for sure. Definitely. What kind of mindset switch do you think that these changes require for leaders in order to be an employer of choice for these kinds of employees? Yeah, so I don't think it's surprising to anyone who's a deskless worker um, and most folks in in any kind of company, right? There's been this legacy or a history of thinking of this deskless population, these deskless workers as kind of unskilled, um, unskilled workers who maybe just it's they bring their tools and their talents and their knowledge and their abilities that they bring to the jobs are things that anybody can do, right? And that it's ubiquitous and it's not worth kind of paying for or differentiating or, um, you know, or, or otherwise kind of um, valuing these employees in a different way to try to get engagement and that kind of thing. So, but what we saw, like I said, from the pandemic is that these workers are essential, right? These are people that can make or break the company, they're the people who everything grinds to a stop if they're not there providing the services and the labor that they do on a, on a daily basis, um, that there's power in that. Um, the other thing that we're, that I think is a mindset shift that leaders need to go through is from shifting from, you know, shifting from that mindset of these are our unskilled workers to these are really our essential workers. Another one is shifting from, these the people in these jobs are not costs to be managed, but they're assets that can be maximized, right? So it's not that these people are in roles or maybe are uh, frivolous costs that we don't really need as a company. Um, we're we're going to target them for cost efficiencies and reductions. We're going to squeeze every ounce of efficiency out of these roles, automate them if possible, right? And I think as management managers and as companies have taken this approach of really trying to optimize the efficiency that came out of this this population, we've seen it actually we've seen what's happened in companies actually flip. So as we've brought in more and more automation to do some of these jobs that were standardized, um, 
that were maybe the unskilled kind of a mindset that people had about these jobs, the tasks and the abilities that were easily replicable. As we've started automating those and bringing the efficiency, you know, focusing on that, making those efficiencies. Now the jobs that are left are so much more essential. They're so much more complicated. They are focused on really what is core to the business. They're focusing on things like quality, customer service, um, coming up with solutions to really difficult problems. They're having to use really human skills like empathy, um, creative problem solving, so much more. The jobs are more complicated. They're more um, they're, they're more complex in a way that they just haven't been in the past. And so I think as companies have had this mindset about unskilled workers, costs to be managed, let's drive the efficiency here, that people were, you know, now the people that are left in these roles are primarily people that are providing services that we just can't get anywhere else. A lot of cases, these people are uh, knowledge carriers and owners of the deep knowledge of their job or of the systems in the companies. And as they're leaving in things like the great resignation, companies are seeing how that's going to hurt them if they keep these mindsets. So I think they need to shift from viewing the deskless workforce to really valuing them as essential workers and thinking of them as assets to be maximized versus costs to be managed. Well, I can agree more with that. Okay, this is where I think people, if they aren't already taking notes, they need to start taking notes. Uh, so in your experience, which you've had a ton of, what are the top five things that you think leaders need to know or understand about this deskless workforce? So I think the first thing that most people would say is, I'm a human, right? Treat me like a human. Recognize me as a human. I'm not a machine. I'm not a... Um, a cog, you know, a cog in the machine. I'm just not like some uh, number, um, but I am a human. And so everything that comes with that, everything that we think about when we're trying to optimize uh, jobs and engagement for our white collar workers, for our, um, you know, our knowledge workers, everything that goes with that applies to the deskless workforce as well. So I think that's the overarching kind of concept is I'm a human, treat me like a human. Right. And so what that means is things like the deskless workers still want a sense of purpose, a sense of connecting to something bigger than them, right? If you can leverage the passion that this, that these people have for their jobs, um, you can, you can, it's it's a it's like an engine. It's going to just kind of keep keep everything moving. You're going to see multipliers in performance that you wouldn't have seen otherwise, right? If you ask somebody just come in and do a job, but you don't connect them to the bigger purpose or don't connect them to why they're doing it, um, you're not really going to get the most out of those folks. So, you know, there's a story about. John F. Kennedy, when he was touring NASA, and a lot of people have probably heard this story before, when he's touring, touring NASA for the first time, and he had set the goal, um, you know, for NASA's goal was to explore space and all the planets and everything, and, and he wanted to win the space race, 
and he wanted to put a person on the moon, right? The, the, the legend is he was walking around the NASA headquarters and he came across a janitor and he went over and talked to the janitor. He's just kind of mopping the floor. And he said, hey, how are you doing? What, what are you doing here? Um, what's your role? How, how do you fit into the organization? You know, and and he fully expected the guy to say, you know, I'm a janitor. You know, I've been here this long, whatever. But the guy says, I'm putting a man on the moon. So even that person at that level had connected to this purpose. So as more that leaders can find a way to make their purpose relatable and attainable and aspirational, that's going to go a long way with this workforce as well. And I think we overlook that a lot as companies. So that's that's one thing. Another one would be to listen to the listen to the people, treat each people teach each person as an individual, ask them for their input, and then listen to it when you get it. They're the experts in the job they're doing. They know the job, they know the machinery, they know the process. There's so much knowledge kind of contained in this deskless workforce that it's, I think a lot of companies, it's easy to just to say, you know what, that just kind of runs. That the work that these deskless workers do, it's efficient, it runs, I don't have to think about it very much. But I think a lot of the workers are saying, hey, I have ideas, I know how things can get better. I, I see issues that might be affecting the customer. I have ideas of ways we can make the product better. And they have a deep expertise that we need to value and we need to appreciate and we need to celebrate. Um, another angle or another of the five things, I guess, another one of the things that I think leaders need to do is focus on developing them and their leaders um, in a way that we really haven't done before because we've thought about the deskless workers as costs to be managed, right? It's easy to not view them as the assets that I'm going to invest in. We're caught up in a short-term mindset and a short-term thinking and pulling efficiencies out. And we're not necessarily measuring what matters, we're measuring what's measurable. So we're measuring you know, how quickly a process got done, we're measuring how many man hours it took to do it, we're measuring the things that are easy and measurable. We're not measuring the things that matter. Like, are we developing these people? Are we helping them find their gifts? Are we helping them build their strengths and use them and contribute? In, to their to their uh, maximum potential. And along with that is we're not maybe necessarily, and this varies a lot from company to company, training their leaders to be good and effective leaders, right, of the, uh, of the deskless workforce. A lot of times, you know, those are people who maybe have moved up from deskless workers into a leadership role and a supervisory role. And we really need to ensure that they have great leadership skills, that they can bring out the best in that workforce and that they know how to kind of leverage and use the skills and capabilities that these people bring to the job. I think there's so much power locked up in that deskless workforce that the companies are not tapping into unless they're already doing this well. And there's a few companies that are doing this well, but I think we can do a lot better in most cases. Um, and then the last thing I would say is think about designing the jobs that the deskless workers are in 
to be fulfilling, right? In a lot of cases, we're hearing people say, you know, I want to do well. I care about the product. I care about um, the customer. I want to do a good job. I don't want to see a lot of turnover at our company, but I'm also constrained by the fact that maybe the jobs aren't staffed fully. You know, it's hard to keep the job staffed, or maybe we don't have a good enough of a of an absenteeism pool to cover when people are off. And there's so many people in this deskless workforce who are saying, I am just having to make trade-offs that I that are unsustainable, that I just can't do, right? I'm having to make a choice between health and recovery or coming into work, you know, if I'm sick or if a family member is sick. Um, I have to make these choices that just aren't letting me be the best for my family and the best for my job. You know, I'm, pr I'm pressured to work extra shifts because we don't have enough coverage. And all of this at the same time that maybe my wages and benefits aren't providing um, a, a comfortable, a secure kind of uh, life for me, you know, especially as things like in the U.S., healthcare challenges come up, um, it provides a lot of uncertainty for people, right? So it's a basic piece of how we can think about designing these jobs to be more fulfilling is to listen to these tensions and challenges that people have and try to think about how we can remove them. Another way we can make the jobs more fulfilling is to think about creative ways, work with those people to come up with creative ways to allow them some control over the what, why, and how, uh, and where their jobs get done, right? So have some autonomy or some agency over how the jobs get done. They might have some ideas, might be creative, creatively thinking about ways that these jobs could be done differently that meet the needs and the, um, the needs of the worker themselves. And I think a lot of times we see these types of jobs when they're governed by kind of a corporate organization, right? Somebody in a corporate office is designing how the jobs will work rather than going out and co-creating the design of the job with the employee to maximize it for that person who's doing the work, right? I know there's examples where, where the people are more self-directed tradespeople and things like that, where maybe I, you know, you can go out and you can set your times that you work and you can decide how and when and how much you do each day and that kind of thing. But there are a lot of jobs that are not, you know, that autonomous. Um, and, and then I think the other piece is investing in them, like I mentioned before about treating them like assets. So invest in them so that they can work smarter and not harder, right? Invest in those people in their positions, design the positions so the people can come in, do the job, leave it, be fulfilled. But things are, there's so much technology that's coming out, things like allowing people in these jobs or designing the jobs to give them access to technology that makes their job easier, to ways to develop themselves through like coaching or micro learning um, in, you know, non-traditional kind of corporate types of settings. There's, there's a lot of things that companies can be doing differently that they can think about and try to incorporate into the job to make them more fulfilling for these employees. And I think all of those things together are gonna to make the environment more um, engaging, right? 
will help keep people there, <laughs> help re with retention. Um, and also kind of just tap into that untapped knowledge base and creativity base that that has so much potential for companies. I think when we talked earlier, you used the term democratizing development. And I thought we could do a whole show on just that because <laughs> there's I think a lot of organizations understand that. But there's the whole how part that's. There's right. so much there that we could dive into. and Absolutely. And there's so much coming out in that space that allows that to be made more accessible to people at all levels, right? That's not kind of gatekept by the corporate organization, learning and development folks, but, you know, make this, make the information about what it takes to solve problems creatively, what it takes to have good communication skills, to be good customer service agents, to give good feedback, to resolve conflict. You know, all of these things can be democratized and made accessible to everybody um, so easily. And um, and I think that's, that's somewhere that the industry is going. I think that's where companies are going. But there's a lot there that, yeah, that we could talk about more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So... Yeah. There are large and complicated issues that I think we can dive into deeper. And for those of you watching, we've already talked about having her back to go deeper into all of these. So I think that would be a great series for us to have. Um, but one quick question I wanted to ask as we kind of wrap up, um, what what's something that leaders can do tomorrow? Like what's some small or, you know, thing that they can literally start doing tomorrow that would help start building trust and engagement with their deskless workforce? You know, I, I love that question. And I think to me, the most obvious thing is to ask that question of their deskless workers. So what is it, you know, go up to an employee. I wonder how many of, of the deskless workers have had a boss or a manager just come up to them and no. say, do you, feel, <laughs> do you feel like we're doing a good job with building trust on this team or in this company? Uh, what can I do to keep you more engaged? How are you feeling about this job? You know, how many of them have even had that kind of a supervisor who's had that interest in making their lives better? Um, one of the things in a, a prior role I had had that was kind of a union avoidance role. One of the things we did was we trained the managers to have that type of a, a servant leadership mindset for their deskless workers. And we joked around and called it kind of like the um, the Burger King method. And we, we talked to the leaders, the supervisors, and said, go to your employees, build a personal relationship with them, right? And ask them. You can, you can tell them, you can have it your way. This is back when Burger King used to have this ad. Um, they, maybe they still do. About you can have your, your burger your way. But that was like the big uh, catchphrase. You can do it your way. You can have it your way. And we would tell the leaders, you know, it's it's kind of that simple. Like, what do the employees want? Give it to them. Don't make more challenges for them. Don't make their job harder. Remove the challenges. Give them resources if they have a constraint. We talk about this with our knowledge workers and with our desk mm -hmm. workers as well. But, but how many leaders do we have take that approach with their deskless workers? And it's it's it can be revolutionary for a lot of people. Yeah, just opening up that line of communication yeah. and yeah. 
and then actually maybe doing something about the yeah. well, absolutely, right? I mean, we all know anyone who's in HR or uh, in these fields, you know, you don't want to start asking questions if you're not prepared to do something about it. So absolutely, you have to follow through, right? At least start a dialogue and be honest with people about what's within your control and what's not, what you might raise up the chain. Um, but But the fact that you're going to start that dialogue that you care goes a long way to starting to build that trust. I agree. And with that, we're out of time for it. I can't believe that went so fast. Um, and like I said, we have already discussed having you back to dive deeper in several of these issues because you're just a wealth of knowledge and you've seen everything. So I think everyone can learn from you. Um, so I just want to say thank you for coming today, Bridget, and sharing this little snippet of knowledge. And we can't wait to have you back. Great. Well, thanks again for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to it. All right. We're going to drop your contact info in the chat as well as have it um, after this for people if they want to reach out and talk to you more. Um, so please reach out to Bridget if you have more questions or, or want to talk about any of these subjects more in depth. Great. Thanks, thank Bridget. you. And thanks everyone for joining us on our second episode of Being Deskless. We're going to be back here May 11th at noon central with another amazing guest or maybe Bridget again. <laughs> I hope that you'll join us. You can find out more information about Ant Hill at our website, www.anthill.co. Have a great day.